Hello and welcome to the Three Plain Sports Podcast. Just three plain guys from the Great Plains talking a lot of sports, some sports betting, and maybe doing a little drinking along the way. I am your host and producer, Dylan, joined by two guys who have a certain favorite table at a certain Pickleman sandwich shop. Mentally in Key West, but physically in Oklahoma, Florida A&M Rattlers superfan and Twitter manager, Colin. Good evening. And finally, putting together a $100 NIL deal to attract Peyton Bowen to Oklahoma, a man whose best friend is a former unemployed roommate who is now a self-proclaimed life coach, Sam. (laughs) Thank you, Dylan. (laughs) <laughs> so uh let's let's jump right into the pregame where we talk about a little bit of sports news small little things normally i like to take either a lighter or a, a very impassioned take on this but today we're going to do something a little different so earlier this week we lost mike leach uh famously uh outspoken football coach um father of the air raid and kind of the spread offense a little bit as we know it today uh best known as an offensive coordinator at oklahoma with bob stoops uh then head coach at texas tech uh then washington state and finally mississippi state university uh passed away after a long and illustrious career in college football uh with some very very interesting quotes uh we're letting our uh pirate flags hang at half mast this week, uh, probably for the rest of the season for this one. So you guys, I, th- I think we're all here pretty big Mike Leach fans. Do you guys have any favorite moments you'd like to share? I have one, but we'll, we'll go to you guys first. Yeah, I, w- I would like to jump on the chance to talk about Mike Leach in his days at OU, um, a national championship winning offensive coordinator at OU. And the story that I'm going with is one that has kind of made its rounds on social media a little bit recently you know since his passing but uh one where he the 1999 red river game took the time to create a fake play script like drawn out play sheet with uh, a couple drives worth of like scripted offensive plays the way an offensive coordinator typically will script their first couple possessions of a game and he made a complete like fraud play sheet essentially that was actually built counter to what they were going to run in in certain ways like to you know bait one look from the defense if if they had access to the sheet and then beat them countering that play so he has one of the players on the team as they are all running past the texas sideline like back into their tunnel for something pregame just like jogging going through their business he has one of his players sort of act as though he is unintentionally unwittingly dropped his play sheet as he is going by Texas's bench. He has him go to like stick it in his waistband essentially and like whoops kind of push it too far and drop it and keep jogging like he's none the wiser. A Texas GA ends up spotting it, picking it up and dropping it off to the head coach and like taking it into the locker room and the whole coaching staff was like, oh shit, this has to be real. They have they have come out and said like they've been asked about it and said they thought there's just no way. It's so far-fetched that somebody would take the time to, you know, feign this all for us and set us up, bait us into this. So this has to just be Oklahoma's play sheet. And they basically start scrapping their game plan and trying to specifically adjust to what OU has allegedly planned on this play sheet and ended up just getting smoked out of the gates in that game. They they went a, down 17 nothing to OU, and OU was the inferior team that season. Um OU actually ended up, they got to a point in the script where there was a drawn up 
du- like double reverse pass where like it was drawn up for the receiver to pass a really slow developing deep in the backfield kind of play. And they stacked one side of the field, everything to the left. And Texas is just selling out for what they think is coming here, thinking they're going to have the jump on it, totally blow it up. And OU just runs like a little quick hit drag across the field the other direction. And the dude is just completely wide open, walk-in touchdown, nobody within you know 10 yards of him when he's catching it. And Texas is just completely stunned. And I, I can't believe – that almost feels like a work of fiction to me, but it's not. It all really happened. So that's definitely my favorite Leach story. Yeah, I think I watched that same video with like all the interviews and stuff. And I'm honestly surprised that they got the Texas defensive, co- like the former, you know, UT defensive coordinator to admit to all that, to admit to being fooled and getting screwed over by that. But I mean, Mike Leach is just, it makes you wonder what he could have done in a place that had like actually immense talent because he built programs that had just absolute jack shit and did really interesting things because he was quite the offensive mind in just ways that I I don't know what we'll ever see again. Colin, do you have a favorite Mike Leach story or two? Um, I think mine's definitely much more recent and, you know, I I guess it's he's one of the names I've known for a while, but I don't follow I for a while didn't follow, you know, coaching and stuff within college football up until the, probably the past handful of years. But his uh, Washington State uh, mascot battle rant was one of my one of the funnier ones where he's pretty much breaking down all the Pac-12 mascots and if they had to, you know, if they were the real mascot having to fight and who would win. And he just went, <laughs> you know, two minute long, just a bit in-depth on uh, some, <laughs> some uh, animal facts and stuff and – that that one that one stuck with me mainly because that by that time I was following coaching a little more. Another, uh, I mean, this one's not as much a story, but considering I went to high school in Key West, not knowing that he was apparently just in Key West like a fair amount that they well, no shit he's blow- a pirate. Come on, yeah, no, I well you know pirate no one, Mike Leach. Now nothing was ever said to me from any, from anyone there, so. I, you know, never knew. And, you know, I didn't think that wasn't exactly of age to go out to the bars. So I didn't see the the stool with his name on it or anything. Never knew about that until uh, just recently. Some people I went to high school with having Facebook posts about knowing Mike Leach. And I was like, what the fuck is that shit? And sure enough, there's articles written about him after, after obviously his passing about his time and the keys and stuff. How wild do you think it would be to go like, be at a bar and watch Mike Leach get sloshed. I mean, it's got to be a pretty damn good time. Uh, he, it's funny. He apparently offered to try and be like the head coach of uh, Key West High School football. You know, maybe he'd still be alive. Probably a lot less stress. But uh, my favorite Mike Leach, actually, this is a quote and a story. So this is when he was. This is his last season as head coach at. Uh, Texas Tech, I believe. Uh, this is after a loss to Texas A&M in 2009. Uh, and you guys may know this one. Uh, this is a direct quote. As coaches, we fail to get through to them. As coaches, we fail to make our coaching points. And our points are more... Our co- ah, Sorry. Uh, and our points more compelling than their fat little girlfriends. Their fat little girlfriends have some obvious advantages. For one thing, their fat little girlfriends are telling them what they want to hear, which is how great you are. So... 
Pour one out, Mike Leach, the fat little girlfriends. Uh, he actually busted that one out again uh, this season. I don't think it was after a loss, but he did say something about thick little girlfriends uh, at Mississippi State uh, this this last season. I don't have the full quote here, and I don't have the video of it, but I, I will probably go watch that one later. Wonder if he was getting thinking uh, Texas A and M was located in San Antonio. You want to you want to elaborate on that one? It's oh, big I'm, old yeah. women down in San Antonio. <laughs> yeah. Is that what I've only Charles been once? Barkley, Charles Barkley, literally on NBA on TNT, just all the time is talking about them big old women in San Antonio. I'm pretty <laughs> sure he got, pretty sure he got told he had to stop saying that on air. <laughs> he, he would talk about he, he he would talk about how they're double fisted churros. Shaq would always egg them on. He's like, "What are they holding, Chuck?" <laughs> like. They they got a little recurring bit there, yeah. They got some big old ones down there in the story. <laughs> I I actually was not aware of that one mostly because I don't watch NBA basketball. Definitely don't watch like the broadcast with Charles Barkley because oh, it's Charles Barkley. That's 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 the hey man. Their NBA on TNT the their post game stuff is like one of the best. If you're watching, you know, sports commentary shows on tv literally one of the best it is yeah one of the best easily especially today and age where it gets way worse below it i don't know if it can i don't i'm not sure it could beat the all women broadcast crew for thursday night football on amazon prime (laughs) that's that's a real tall challenge but if anyone's (laughs) up for the for the job it's the inside the nba crew shout out ernie johnson as well holding it down in the middle there he's he's a legend you know that's actually a great for a, for a certain fraternity that we all know and love, that's a that's a great like pledge pledge bonding experience. Watch the all women cast on uh, Thursday night football on Amazon Prime sometime. But we, uh, we got we'll we'll have we'll have we'll be able to make some people do that. Yeah, yeah, it'd be a good bonding experience, and uh, you learn something. Learn might learn something about yourself. Uh, so let's move on to slow pitch, fast pitch, where I come up with two takes that I throw to both my co-hosts here. And one of them, the slow pitch, is a little bit of a lighter take, should be an easier buy, uh, maybe easier to agree with. And then a fast pitch, which if I'm doing my job correctly, it should be a blazing hot take that is maybe a little bit plausible. I don't know how good of a job I've done. But with that, let's move on to the slow pitch. Here we go. The 2022 Minnesota Vikings are the worst 10 and three football team of all time. Sam, let's hear what you got. I'm I'm willing to jump fully on board with this one. I will admit I had a tougher time than I was hoping going. I kind of tried to dive into this a little bit and like, see if I could on my phone, <laughs> admittedly half-assed, um, see if I could find some stats on teams that have been 10 and three, like basically a list of them, like teams that have been at that point in the season. And then just like their respective, like, finishing records, playoff results, stuff like that, and just then see if I could find stuff to look into. I couldn't really think of any shittier off the top of my head, and I've been watching the NFL pretty religiously for a long time. Nothing came to me. Um, I don't think the Bears have ever quite got to 10-3 and three during one of their fraudulent seasons. I think usually Jay Cutler would hurt his thumb before then, but uh, I, I'm willing to buy it. I've been disgusted with the Vikings. Them getting embarrassed by the Cowboys in, in prime time was was just a really bad look. I honestly thought that would be a competitive game going in. Dude, how many how many ten and three teams have gone forty and three at some point during the season? Fuck yeah, off. That, that is bad. <laughs> like you, you you get outclassed that badly just from from minute one to minute sixty. That's that's pretty hard to defend. It's crazy because they beat the Bills, but also you know that game was fucking wild and and 
you could say it's lucky that they beat them. I would say that, but still, like they had to, you know, put themselves in the position to even be close. Uh, same with the Jets. Like they, they they were lucky, in my opinion, with that. I think Barrios dropping the ball in the end zone, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, I still think they could have won that game, and obviously they played them close. So it's not like they suck, but I just think the odds of them making a Super Bowl are are essentially zero. The NFC is so weak, but the Vikings I, they don't scare anybody. Justin Jefferson does. That's it. See, yeah. personally, and maybe I'm just a bit biased and blinded by hatred, but there's a ten and three, <laughs> another ten and three team this season that I think are bigger frauds despite beating the Vikings 40 to three. That's, oh, that's, no, I, I think that's, that's a, quite the take there. I feel like much, there's a little too much. That's, that's, that's nearly territory. That's fast pitch territory. <laughs> that's nearly losing to the fucking Texans deservedly should have lost to that game. That's worse in my eyes. Yeah, that's I a rivalry care. game. Fans show up for that one, mostly because they want to see the Cowboys because the Texans have been trash for, most Who of the their fuck were the entire... Texans throwing that game? Was it Slaughter or? <laughs> I don't fucking know, man. <laughs> it was uh, oh, Jeff, Jeff, Driscoll, uh, and Jeff, Jeff Driscoll. Driscoll splitting time with Davis Mills. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will point out Justin Jefferson has more receiving yards this season than all of the Atlanta Falcons. No fucking shit. It's <laughs> <laughs> the biggest problem with us going, all right. Two years ago, we're going to take Kyle Pitts in the first round, and then this year we're going to take a wide receiver in the first round, and then you fucking have that little tidbit. All right, so this is like, okay, we're about to come into week 15, 14? Uh, I believe 15. This is week 15 coming up. Imagine being in week 15 of a 17-week season and only having like less than 1,500 receiving yards, which I would assume also means, or maybe it's all the wide receivers. Maybe the running backs were counted separately, but... Yeah, how, how does that make you feel, Colin? Dude, fuck, fuck the Falcons, man. You know, I so what, Mariota's got 2,200 passing yards on the season. So, no, that's now this team, it, it's, they, they're, they don't suck you in as bad as, like, some of the other shit with the Falcons, uh, where, you know, they decide to just blow a shitload of games. Granted, they've done it once or twice this year, but, like, for the most part, they've been competent in some of their losses, so fuck that team. Maybe we'll figure it the fuck out. Maybe Desmond Ritter figures it the fuck out. Maybe uh, Arthur's, uh, is Arthur Smith's the head coach? Gets yeah. off his fucking chody high horse. <laughs> that dude fucking, that dude is a pain in the fucking ass at press conferences. You've been, AI, seeing, what, you've been seeing the Mariota drama with him? Is it? It's oh, not actually drama, isn't I it? Because his wife's having a kid, or his girlfriend, or whatever's having a kid. Is it actually that drama? Is, is part of it? Like, but Mariota, like Arthur Smith, is kind of like stoking the flames on it. Is the weird part? Like, it really shouldn't be. Kind of isn't drama. Mariota got benched and had a kid, and he has like supposedly some chronic knee issues that he's been playing through, and now he decided like I just want to shut it down because fuck it. And Arthur Smith kind of in the press conferences was kind of snippy and short about it and basically sort of saying that Mariota is just saying fuck it and giving up on the team and like <laughs> hey it's, man it's kind of strange maybe he's a bit right we're only a game out of playoffs uh, it'd be cool to see Ritter get y'all there that division is is an absolute shit show okay if Marcus Mariota quits what washed up backup quarterback who will inevitably start at some point next season after Desmond Ritter gets benched who who do they take Colin what what washed up 
No. No. Ooh. Oh dear fucking god, no. Ooh. I'll take Nick Foles. I'll take Nick Foles over him. <laughs> oh, uh no, what I know what I what I see happening is we let Ritter play all of next year as either he's figure he's good or we see promise next year enough or he looks like dog shit. We let him tank the year and we take as much as it pains me to say it like Caleb Williams. Nah. Man, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know at that point. Perfect. If, if I'm the if I'm the Falcons, if I have the stomach to take another chance on a, I don't know. He might try to like sign a free agent or trade for somebody at that point. But uh, before sign we move a on, starter. <laughs> before we move on to the to the next take, I do want to circle briefly back to the Vikings because I forgot to mention one of my most honestly the strongest points towards them being the worst ten and three team. And again, I couldn't really find historical context for this, but the Vikings are ten and three with a negative point differential. Well, that team's in the It's that fucking Cowboys game. Yeah, it is. But I mean, it, 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 most you know, most good teams don't go get yeah. smoked like that, and that's part of the problem. And the thing is, you know, they're not blowing teams out back to to account for that either. Dallas, Colin, your Dallas to being bigger frauds than them take, I have to say, completely fucking ridiculous. I respect it because I know that me and you both get a kick out of out of making Jacob Lee understand that the Cowboys are a joke, but the Vikings are a bigger joke. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, they, they scare me more at worst, you know, if they're looking good, because I believe in Justin Jefferson creating offense compared to Dak. But Justin right Jefferson now, play QB. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> because he's an improvement. Justin Jefferson has a touchdown pass. That's true. Season. That is true. It, I got those four fantasy points. It was Kirk Cousin may not be doing phenomenal. He's not doing poorly, but he knows what to do, which is get the ball into fucking Justin Jefferson's <laughs> hands and let him fucking work. Justin Jefferson fucking likes to throw picks in his own ten yard line against the worst team in the fucking league, and somehow doesn't pay for it. Justin Jefferson is the reason that the Vikings are 10 and three and not three and 10, because whenever they, it's, it's like the Super Bowl last year where, uh, uh, what's his face, just throwing the ball up to Cooper cup, like just putting him in the absolute worst fucking situations. Cause that's the only way they can move the ball. Uh, oh shit. It's, it's third and 12. Cause I got sacked or because I had to like, cause we, we lost yardage on the run or I took a sack cause I have the pocket presence of a pop tart. I better just throw it up to Justin Jefferson. He'll do it. He'll sacrifice his body, bring it down and save my ass and make me look like the best quarterback in the NFC. Even though I have no fucking clue what I'm doing, and I can't, I shouldn't be trusted to make a decision at the McDonald's drive-through, let alone fucking in the pocket trying to pick a, a wide receiver who's not Justin Jefferson or trying to save his fucking body so he might have a long and fruitful NFL career. Thank you. <laughs> hey, Adam Thielen had a good week last week. Yeah, I'm a big Adam Thielen fan. Uh, his his career is slowly coming or quickly coming, I think, to an end just with age and uh, maybe getting pushed out of that that place eventually i think he'll probably sign on with another team at some point or he, he may said, just choose to retire at that point because he's of his ties with minnesota in the north that's Future a patriot that's a that wide receiver <laughs> that you would want to sign mid-season he wouldn't bring all this bullshit drama and still be a bum regardless yeah yeah so all righty let's move on to the fast pitch this is supposed to be a hotter take uh maybe you don't agree with it so much maybe you have very uh very uh spicy opinions uh so here we go 
Kyler Murray's ACL injury is signaling the beginning of the end for his career in the NFL. Colin? Yeah, so I thought that one was pretty ridiculous. Um, I don't, so I, th- I, I'll go with unlike, highly unlikely over impossible because there is, you know, a big question. Maybe he's, you know, maybe he he doesn't regain his mobility back from ACL surgery, but I doubt. I doubt that is. I doubt the Cardinals are going to give up on him. They fucking can't financially after what they did with signing him for as much as they did. Cliff will go probably at the end of this year. Kyler will probably get to semi handpick his next head coach. That's and, scary. And from there, we'll see what happens after. If that becomes a failure, then we're talking. But I don't see that happening for two to three years. Dude, I don't think Kyler yes. has any business making business decisions for an NFL team. To be completely honest, do you think honest. the next head coach is a member of Phase? Yes or no? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think he'll definitely have a say somewhat in there. At least, at least if they if they also take out the offensive coordinating coordinator and all that shit too, then maybe he'll have a say somewhere. But I think he'll definitely have a say. Is is the next uh, Cardinals head football coach currently in Kyler Murray's Xbox Live friends list? <laughs> Good chance, man. But <laughs> I definitely I, there's no there's just too much money put into him being good for the next like five five or six years, whatever his contract extension was. Like that, they're not going to give up on him that quick. So I, he's easily going to be still in the league three to four years from now, unless say he retears this same ACL next year or something. I did That's say the only beginning way. of the end. I did say yeah, beginning. I of guess the it. End. Yeah, I just it depends on uh, technically anything after the start date of him starting was the beginning of the end, but I I don't I still think he he has at least three to four years in him of starting play, which I wouldn't consider it that a beginning of the end. So so here's moment. here's where this comes from. Okay, ACL tear. Uh, Kyler Murray's not a big guy. Uh, he he gets he most of his skill and his advantage comes from being able to like these short burst like juke stutter step running around like a toddler all over the field. You know uh, that weird like sidearm run he's got uh he can't see he can't fucking sit in the pocket because he can't see over his lineman i mean that's just a fact of him being five foot seven but realistically five foot six and then he's gonna go have surgery and he's gonna like be sitting down rehabbing loving life because he's gonna get sit in his gaming chair playing fucking Warzone all day uh and he's not gonna want to fucking come back rehab fucking sucks you want to sit there and do stem while you talk to the fucking doctor while your doctor's talking down to you and kyler's the kind of dude who probably doesn't take a lot of advice from folks like that uh and cliff's gonna get fired that's the end of all of that bullshit going on in arizona and the end of the kyler murray show because i'm sure cliff's probably the only one who actually wrangle him into like a usable offense like this this is this is the end man this is the end Oh man, no! Cliff has Cliff needs him to call plays for them to be successful. So Cliff is not exactly wrangling him in. Definitely, Wait. I I Kai, I agree with the mobility. That was literally I have mobility underlined on my notes just because obviously if the mobility's not there in like even half the capacity, then then it could be a problem. But if he's even if he comes back at least close to what he was speed and mobile agile wise, it'll be fine. 
at they're least have for to, a handful of years. The Cardinals are going to have to start drafting some of the guys who played offensive line on my high school football team who were like 5'6 and like 5'6 uh, tall and 5'6 wide. That's a big pocket that they can set up. <laughs> Just so Kyler can see over them. Uh. <laughs> I will say guys are coming back from ACLs pretty well these days. In most cases, it can take a little bit. I think he's going to be fine in that regard. He's still going to be fast. And I think you're still going to see most of what you already see from him in terms of being shifty. Maybe he's not going to be taking contact, but he already doesn't really take contact. Um, I think he's going to be fine. I'm, I'm going to jump in and say I'm also selling the take. I, I enjoy talking shit about the video games and the, the the do your homework clause that was in the contract and now isn't in the contract. and It's all pretty funny, but he is honestly not a completely one-dimensional quarterback as a runner. Like He can he can read the field and make throws. We, we've seen him do it, and it just kind of comes and goes a little bit. I'm excited to see what he actually can do for another coach. I'm not high on Cliff either. I think he's pretty much failed upwards through his career to get to the NFL and he had no business coaching an NFL team and it's kind of gone that way. This that is, offense is not good. This is going to be an all-time wild like NFL hire, I feel like just uh, what not the fuck? more so than Jeff Saturday. I see what they were going for with Cliff like that that was sort of the the meta, so to speak, was like we need a, a young, cool looking guy who understands offense, guy. and yeah, and that it was a match with like what Kyler was somewhat comfortable with in college, um, and and you know that is comfortable with the mobile quarterback. One point I do want to make real quick on the ACL is that I I don't think like I said, guys are coming back from that fine. To me, where I think that's going to be troublesome for him is in this first year. I agree, Cliff's going to get fired. They're going to bring in somebody else. There's going to be a new offense, and he is not going to be out there and healthy in like summer and OTAs and training camp and all this shit and preseason even to learn the offense and really be like at all comfortable. So I think if he comes back like you know beginning of the regular season at best, maybe partway through the season, he's going to be set up to be looking pretty bad. I feel like pretty much regardless, just because he's going to be rusty to have a new offense that he's not comfortable with at all and be playing against defenses that are in regular season form. Um, yeah, so I they're... do fear for him in that regard, but I think long-term the investment has been made financially, like you said, Colin, that like he's not going anywhere. So they're going to continue trying to set him up to succeed until at least they have a way out. If he did go somewhere, this is an interesting thought that just popped in my head. I mean, what is what does a, a Kyler Murray look like on a Sean McVay Rams team? He looks like a winner, just like Baker Mayfield does on a Sean McVay Rams team. <laughs> uh, oh, actually, that's a Dude. great like little interlude because that was a great fucking game. I watched that one live after we recorded the podcast last week. Fucking awesome! Yeah, man. yeah, that yeah, was that awesome. Was, we ended perfect timing all to be able to just watch the glory that was that final drive. The heroics, dude. Baker, like, I mean, make it a case for himself. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how they do this week. They play. Uh, they play the Packers, which is definitely not uh, that crazy to be able to potentially win. So maybe McVeigh did it. Like you can't argue that Baker hasn't had a shit coaching situation his whole career. I don't think it's all the coaching, but definitely was not in a good setup for coaches. Maybe McVeigh helps him figure it the fuck out. That'd well, be okay. Sick. 
I mean, it's hard to say that just because, yes, he's gone from maybe not the shittiest coaches in the NFL, but now he's going to one of what we could probably agree is one of the best coaches in the NFL right now, Sean McVay, with what he's been able to do. Unfortunately, you know, having a bad season because mostly because of injuries, but, you know, um, yeah. So let's move on here. So you think actually this could be, you know, if Kyler, if his NFL career crumbles after the surgery, this could be the start of his MLB career, his baseball career. So let's move into more Major League Baseball free agency, maybe seeing Kyler Murray in there in the next coming next couple of years as a shortstop, right? So uh Sam, you want to get started on free agency? Um yeah, so I guess I'll I'll start with the big one I think the most noteworthy since we last recorded, and that would be Carlos Correa signing with the San Francisco Giants for thirteen years and three hundred and fifty million dollars. Great deal. Um, yep. I think I, I respect any team that spends as a Sox fan. It just, I, I, I basically don't have it in me to criticize a deal like that because I just long for the Sox to do some shit like that. I think it's a good, a good deal for Correa too, but the, the average annual value of it is not outlandish compared to what we're seeing these days. And Correa is elite both defensively and, and very solid offensively. So I think it's a smart investment, maybe arguably smarter than Aaron Judge, who they missed out on. This is yeah. New York. So, ooh, I, I mean, yes and no. The thing is, they have Correa on the books longer. 13 years, Judge. right? Yeah, and well, so, sorry, obviously longer, no shit. But Judge is nine years, right? And he's 30 right now. So, I mean, they get him off the books at age 39. Correa's contract would run through him turning 41, which seems to be the trend of a couple of these signings. I believe Trey Turner and oh fuck who went to uh, Xander Bogart's their deals end when they turned 41. Oh, a bit weird. That's a bit past their a bit way past their retiring point. So, but obviously you're locking them up with money. I will say looking at the Giants uh signings God damn, they made some good, you know, good signings. Their team could be good again next year. Uh, who knows? Rodon's still not off the board. Haven't heard anything about him going back to the Giants, but that would be a, that'd be a cool little signing there to really bolster their starting pitching, which they've tried to do already. Uh, was signing Stripling from Toronto and Manea from San Diego, which. I personally am not a big Manea believer. He obviously did not play that well for the Padres. But any anything coming from the A's, you got to be a little weary on. And he did not have a good year last year. We're setting it up for some wild matchups when uh, the Giants go play the Dodgers in L.A. And like everybody just fucking booing the shit out of Carlos Correa for being part of that 2017 Astros team. I look forward to that. What's <laughs> uh, you know what's some annoying shit is the Houston Astros. I get their their local RSN feed on my cable, so I, I would watch them occasionally. I think I watched when they went to LA, I believe this year, and that the fucking Astros broadcast. It, it, it's a gutter tier broadcast any night of the year, but the in terms of the the sound presentation, not even just the announcers, like it is like a secondary complaint, but they basically muted the crowd. You couldn't fucking hear any of the booing. That was all I was tuning in for. <laughs> and I understand it's their home team, 
but they just they took all of the environment out of the game. It was it was it was basically just watch them play and and hear us talk, and that's it. You don't hear the crowd. You know, you can barely hear sound. Like you can barely hear the ball hit the bat. That shit was was miserable. So I do look forward to some national TV games, LA and San Francisco, and getting to see Carlos Correa just go get reviled in Los Angeles. So let's see. We've talked. Okay, Carlos Correa, uh, shortstop. We've mentioned a couple other shortstops there. Uh, I do want to bring something up just to see what your guys' thoughts on. So there's really like one. I don't know if you call. I don't know if you call him elite, but like one uh, sought after shortstop left on the market, Dancy Swanson. Do you guys have any thoughts there? I mean, I don't really know what the rumors are. I know he's talking probably to several teams at the same time right now, but Colin? Please, for fuck's sake, the Cubs. That has been one of the teams he's been linked to. Shell out, you stupid sons of bitches. Bring in a good-ass shortstop. It would kick ass. I mean, that would just be icing on the cake for a potentially decent starting rotation, decent uh, feel you know what we put out in the field maybe compete again it, it would kick ass I hope that he does it his wife plays there in Chicago for soccer why not dude fuck it he's obviously not going to go to the White Sox they won't pay him and he, <laughs> his position's already taken there so come on into Chicago please for fuck's you know, sake you know maybe he's just got a good maybe he's just got a good vibe of the Reisendorf family and would go to the White Sox you know just, <laughs> just that nice family vibe his his wife's making that those NWSL bucks so he can take a cheaper contract to go play with the White Sox. Yeah, she she's making kind of money that can uh she can go buy a, a nice used Toyota Corolla with that. <laughs> the Cubs aren't getting Dansby Swanson. You're right that the Sox aren't either, but fuck you, fuck the Cubs. They're not going to spend the money. They just wanted to float float their names out there. They went and got Brad Boxberger today. Jed got his guy. That's it. <laughs> Free agency and, over. Well, hey man, we got one uh, one field player, one starting pitcher, and one uh, one in the bullpen. What a what a class right there. That's better than the Sox can say. We got Mike Clevenger. The Sox signature move now is go sign some mediocre fuck who's like not remotely gonna set the market at like the very beginning of the winter before anybody else gets moved, and then just kick our feet up and go, Cool, our shit team is all set. <laughs> that's what we're doing this year. They they have done absolutely nothing since like free agency is actually picked up. Jesus, it's they, we still have no second baseman. We have no outfielders basically, other than Luis Robert. It, it, we have first baseman DHs. We have no lefties. The team's a, a complete fucking embarrassment for being in like the center of our contention window. Well, it's there that, are it's- fans crowdfunding a fire or a sell the team billboard. Right now, it's it's like it's it's finally happening. <laughs> it's it's that rich and talented farm league you have, in addition to all of the South Side Jersey sales, keeping that team afloat. <laughs> yeah, those jerseys, those jerseys are nice. I like them. I personally did don't own one, as I don't feel like I can pull it off. Because if I were to wear a White Sox jersey in public here in Oklahoma, you know, people would go, "Oh, that's the White Sox." And if I was to wear a South Side jersey, they would just be like, "What the fuck?" Like with all that busy like color checkering shit going on, they'd be like, "What is this white piece of shit doing?" You I'm actually your... wearing a South Side sweater right yeah. now, but it's it's not as a you know, it doesn't have that quite that same. No, you you need the, you need the South Side jersey that has like the the Gothic script. I don't know if there are more of them, but like the black one, you need your your like black stonewashed Ed Hardy jeans. And then your Tims, 
<laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to borrow both of those from Jared, unfortunately. But... <laughs> and then, like, a wallet chain. <laughs> oh, God. Your fucking Southside jersey. Uh, who else uh, is out there? What other moves are out there for free agency? I will make a uh, retractment of my Met statement from last week. They are definitely doing quite well. They're they're my and, winners of free agency so far. Yeah, they got the uh, Japanese. Uh, is he? He's he's Japanese, right? He was playing he in in, yeah. in Japan. Well, yeah, he's from the he Japanese was, league. One one way or another. Yeah, yeah. So that that was that was one way. Obviously, with their moves we discussed last week involved as well. I think that was just icing on the cake that you know swayed my opinion on the situation that they are definitely they are sustaining what they put out last year which is a win which, for the Mets because they don't do that they they're they're finally spending money it's I don't really care about the Mets but I think it's interesting and I'm happy for them yeah i mean they pretty much filled the spots they lost which is all you can at least ask for i feel like in in that situation so Maybe they'll be able to maintain what they did in that most of last season and not blow a massive lead for the division this year. So <laughs> they've made they've made some good moves now, and now it's all really coming together. The other team that I believe deserves a Bravo shout out would have to be the Blue Jays. With they signed they what Chris Bassett the other day, and then they got also uh, Kevin Kiermeyer from the Rays. So their their def- defensive outfielding outfielder situation got even better. I'm pretty sure Tapia was quite a good outfielder for him, but now he's gone. So that was a great move. And then another piece to add to your starting pitching that had a great year last year. So I think I think they were good moves. I don't think they lost a lot in this off season. No, I still so, like their hitting. I mean, uh, George Springer's still there, and Vladimir Guerrero, right? So yeah, they yeah, got a Vlad couple Jr. catchers Bichette. who Bichette, yeah. They got rid of Teoscar Hernandez was kind of the, the, the That was I was him. trying to I was looking that up and I didn't see yeah. what the tra- I couldn't find it for some He's reason. In Seattle. I can't remember what they got back, but uh it might have been a, a reliever. I think it was it was a reliever. I can't remember the dude's name. Was it Matt Brash? It might not have been him. I don't know if it was as relevant as Matt Brash. But it was to the uh, Eric Swanson and Adam Mako. There's yeah, I was yeah. like, no way you give up Brash. Brash was rumored when the Brash was rumored when that was going down, but yeah, I think they, they got in cheaper. Yeah, I was about to say no I was about to say if you're giving up Brash, Jesus. Brash is going to be like your next big fucking starting pitcher, probably. Uh, George Kirby is, although that's no knock to Brash, but George Kirby's nasty. Yeah, both of them. I mean, both of them. You're not giving up two potentially long-winded fucking starting pitchers on your roster that early in their careers. I saw something the other day that said there's there's like it was like six or seven pitchers. I'm not going to be able to name them all, but like that currently throw five different pitches with plus command however the hell like Statcast quantifies that and george kirby's one of them and the rest of them are just like zach granky you darvish like a lot of like very established very good veteran pitchers and then you've got george kirby who is just like barely cracked the scene and he's already doing that he's disgusting yeah, yeah. so okay with the there's been i mean not 
nearly as much movement this week as there was last week, but has anything here, uh, as we kind of alluded to earlier, has anything that's happened since we last spoke about this kind of changed? Do you think your winners and losers are of, let's just say the MLB, uh, early this off season? Uh, for me, it's still the Mets as winners. I don't know if I really have a loser. I guess I'll call the White Sox a loser every single day. They're owned by the Reisendorf family. But uh, what do you Correct. guys think? Um, I would, I would, I don't, I'm going to generalize a little bit, and I'm going to say the NL East. So I'm kind of agreeing with you. With I think the Mets have had a good off season. You got to mention the Phillies and pulling in Trey Turner. Um, and, you know they they had a good off season. The, the Braves just also one move we have not mentioned yet. It was not free agency, but did go down this week was that they traded for Sean Murphy from the A's. They gave up William Contreras. The Brewers were involved in a three-team deal. I don't remember the exact terms, but Sean Murphy, star catcher from the A's to Atlanta. Uh, they had success bringing Matt Olson from the A's last offseason, so they're just going back to that well. And the NLE should be real competitive. Oh, I Dude, guess I forgot to mention which, one other. Here's my fat old loser because – we hadn't gotten to it, but I had of it. I have fucked the A's in my notes strictly <laughs> for that trade. You know, not strictly for that trade. That's just a culmination of it. But who the fuck is on that roster? That that team should be taken away from the owner. Like it is, it is so bad that they have an MLB team that they put forth. And no offense, like to the players, but that owner is a piece of shit that is just not doing anything. They need like that, them. their team. It's about as bad when. As when uh, Derek Jeter fucking sent John Carlos Stanton to the Yankees type situation where they just have, a, they're just giving away their best talent for nothing. Like they have no future. They're they're not doing anything in free agency. They're just sitting there and making it worse for themselves on prospects who they're. I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll develop some of them. But goddamn, to have literally no one on that fucking roster is pathetic. They need new Billy Bean. Another Jonah Hill sidekick. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I will say the Rays, uh, Stu Sternberg, I believe, is the, the Rays owner. He is equally, all, almost equally as bad to the A's, but the Rays front office is just a group of absolute miracle workers that keeps that team contending well, despite okay. it. Also, well, the then Rays, they started spending just the, like a little this, bit. Yeah, with, but the, the Rays. Franco came... extension, and then now. Uh, Eflin, I mean, they paid Eflin decent. The Rays take some of the fun out of baseball. I mean, this isn't necessarily – this isn't an offseason thing, but they take some of the fun out of baseball with the way they manage their pitchers and shit, which is like – just you, you, they don't let a starter go through, and it's just uh, you know – I don't know. I I don't like it. I don't like the Rays. I mean, their starting rotation – the past few years has been some of the best starting rotation in baseball. Right, but they're not letting them pitch. No, they are – they definitely are. There was one year where they started the opener, yeah, but but that was only for like that would be like the fifth slot in the rotation instead of having a fifth starter. It wasn't like they did it all the time. No, their their starting pitching has been very good over the past like half decade. I feel like I think I mean you're right that they they get good pitchers. With Dylan Dylan's not really off base either though. In that it's not just the opener strategy and stuff, but it's like they. They have a very staunch – it's not like they never make an exception, but they are very staunchly against letting a starter see the third time through the uh, the order. They have very so strict they, they pull counts. starters. Yeah, they, they pull starters earlier in games. It's and, not I fun. Mean, there, was the, there was the whole notorious Blake Snell in the World Series incident. I kind of see what you're getting at there. And that was a good point calling on the Wander Franco extension. The A's would not do anything to that nature. So 
point to Stu Sternberg, and he is only the 29th uh, <laughs> biggest stingy piece of shit on an MLB team. Yeah. Wait, are there, there's 30 on MLB? I believe so. Uh, so 28th, I believe. You got A's and y'all. <laughs> I would love to say so, but no, I mean, we had like we had a top 10 payroll last year. We are cheap, and Jerry won't commit to long-term contracts. So we end up like our payroll is, is like hollow in a way, and it's also partly on Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams and whoever the fuck else is making decisions in our bullshit accountability-free front office. Because we did have a contender's budget at least in this past season, and the the team that we put out was just not playing to that quality. So yeah, that, you guys are eleventh on spending, I believe, projected yeah. going into this the, year. The the catch with that, as I said, is basically that we will not commit. We won't have Bryce Harper with a 12-year deal be part <laughs> of that equation. For us, our shitty contracts are like we pay for old free agents and try to get a couple more good years out of them so we don't have to commit to the long-term deals that are taking over the majors right now. And that's why our, our GM basically went into this free agency seeing the market and going, everybody's giving out you know 11-year deals to a middle infielder when we need a middle infielder. And we're like, guess we're not fucking partaking. Like, <laughs> we, we are doing nothing. And he just basically told the fans that going in, we ain't doing shit. So that's not uh, all on Jerry. It's partly on Jerry, but that's more of, of an organizational failure. Like so, Rick Hunt would, would be putting up a much shittier team in Tampa Bay than what he's doing <laughs> here. <laughs> I, I, I'm glad for them that they don't have to see that. The Rays last year... Oh, where where where'd they go? They were twenty third. I forgot. For uh, the pirates are down there too. Oh. I forgot. They don't fucking do anything. Yeah, you're right. They're they're a there. So much. Dude, they're a farm system like, for every other team. That's yeah, what's fucking wild, dude. <laughs> O'Neill Cruz. I want him out of there so quick. I feel bad. That dude is going to be electric for fucking a thousand people on the weekend. Yeah, I, that's, that's a, a bummer too. Cause their stadiums, their stadiums, so cool and good looking. Uh, they just wasted on the fucking Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, I would like to point out that I also got the notification today for my MLB app that the entire Astros coaching staff is staying. So, uh, gonna make another run at it because no one wants to hire a bunch of fraudulent, cheating pieces of dog shit to work. I, on their I mean, own staff. I don't know. It'd be worth it for the World Series ring. I mean, cheaters win, obviously. So. Uh, let's move on from MLB free agency into, uh, something that's finally upon us. Wait, Dylan, Sam, sorry. Sam's, Sam's looking at me. I have to cut you off. I just looked down at my phone and we have got some, some Twitter notifications for our last big domino, second to last big domino of MLB free agency. This one sucks for me. Carlos Rodon, formerly of the White Sox, just signed a six-year, $162 million contract with the New York Yankees, and they're going to make him shave his beard, and he is going to look like a bitch, and it's going to bum me out. They're going to make Thanks him a, a lot, star. God, Carlos I was... The White Sox declined to give a qualifying offer to last offseason after a nearly Cy Young caliber outing from him. We decided that he was not worth the one-year $18 million QO, and we let him walk to the Giants. Damn, I was really hoping when you said it's going to piss you off that it was going to be at least like the Guardians. Uh, <laughs> at least not just. I don't have any ill will against that organization, but uh, God damn it! Of course, it's the fucking Yankees. Uh, God damn it! Uh, all righty. Uh, on that note, 
Let's move over to a season that's finally upon us. That is college football bowl season, uh, also known as opt-out season. Uh, so uh, who wants to – Colin, you want to get us started? Let's let's each pick one or two bowls let's, uh, that we want to talk about. I have mine. I already called it. Uh, y- y- y'all don't I- – I took dibs on it. Y'all, y'all can't talk about it because it's, uh, it's, it's my cross to bear. So Cool. So, okay, I do have, so I have two that I think I'm eyeballing. One is a little bit of a homer pick, just out of curiosity. Ooh, how they bowl. Get, yeah, <laughs> dude, I, what, what I'm, so yeah, fuck it, we'll start right there with the Cheez-It Bowl. Um, I'm hoping, you know, we're, we're playing Florida State, OU's playing Florida State, and I feel like, obviously, they chose us over a different Big 12 team, and I feel like we're going to get fuck plowed by Florida state, especially considering absolutely considering Eric gray opted out and our best lineman opted out. We're, we're in trouble there. I it's, you know, I don't know why now, now that I'm speaking it aloud, I don't know why I'm I, I was excited for this. Cause now <laughs> it's going to just be a no cheese it balls. Yeah. The great no, I want it, them all. Motherfucking cheese it balls. Wants to be a disaster too to live up to cheese it bowls of of history. That Mike kick Norvell, ass. but that that'd be awesome. That's what I was rooting for. But now that I'm thinking about, it, I'm like, God damn it, are we actually you know just going to get our shit kicked in, look bad one more time for recruits before this <laughs> class signs and shit? Hey, it's okay. Sam's going to move the needle on some of those recruits with his uh his three three figure nil donations. So. I that one I think will just be a funny game. Uh, I it's gonna look it'll either OU is gonna do one of those where they suddenly make you go maybe we're not in bad shape even with some of our best guys going into next year, or we're just yeah it's just me just we're on the ground in the fetal position getting kicked over and over again by that piece of shit school Florida State. <laughs> My other one is a definitely higher ranked and probably you know actually from a game standpoint a better one which was tennessee clemson i'm just i'm oh, curious yeah, the orangiest orange bowl ever yeah uh that one they they should have to both wear their orange unis that, yeah, that's how you well. test if hendon hooker is uh truly ready for the nfl is if he can make sure he doesn't turn the ball over at all on on picks throwing against two orange colors that you know fucking his vision's great that's a great test for scouts <laughs> but i think that'll be a really good game i i don't know what the opt-outs are on that one yet i would have to review it hold on i can i have the list here for every single game because which I was... looking at the line on this i have a hunch tennessee has had some big name opt-outs considering clemson's favored by six and a half which okay. I think is utterly ridiculous. So Tennessee, uh, Hendon Hooker is still injured, so he's probably not going to play. Uh, Jalen Hyatt is the big one. Three of their their wide receivers, like two of their wide receivers, Jalen Hyatt, which is like their number one wide receiver, and then Cedric Tillman. Yeah. Uh, they're both opting out, and then another one of their, I guess, earlier contributors, uh, Jimmy Calloway, is entering the transfer portal. So, And then Clemson has... Oh Jesus! This is like a list of twelve guys who are either transferring or injured or are opting out. So, <laughs> all right. So maybe, maybe I I forgot to look at that, which may have been key because that is sounding a little rougher than I thought. 
but eh, Tennessee still has a good team. Clemson is Clemson has the young QB starting for this, presumably. So who knows? Maybe Dabo can uh, show that he should have been starting that dipshit all year, and maybe they would have been closer to the playoffs than they were. Oh, sad, sad ukulele noises. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, Sam, what's your what's your bowl game to watch? All right, so I've got to. I'm going to start with the Illinois and Mississippi State game, the ReliaQuest Bowl. Don't know what don't know what ReliaQuest is, but I do know that I'll be tuning into this one for two reasons. Um, number one being that Mississippi State and the Mike Leach story, basically, I know they're going to just beat that into the fucking ground, but I'm going to be there for it and enjoy that coverage. And I would like to see you know maybe Mississippi State kind of rallies together they've got zach arnett they're they're in decent hands as far as like an up-and-coming dc getting promoted to head coach and kind of taking things over i don't know their situation in terms of like opt-outs or anything like that but uh i i think they have a decent chance to kind of just make for a good story in that game dude how Uh, how rough of a situation is that if you are uh burt bulimia at illinois having to like go into that game and like you want to win but also holy fuck you're the villain yeah (laughs) (laughs) typically america would have been loosely i think on illinois side because everybody hates the sec Rightfully so in Illinois. Oh, has but you got to love for a Mike while, Leach. But... I mean, even if Mike Leach exactly. is still well, alive and coaching, enough. I mean, I probably, yeah, enough. I, I don't like Specific Illinois. Specifically. I don't like Brett fair. Bielema. No, I'm good. Fair enough. Um, and uh, Mississippi State, two-point dogs in that game. I might uh, might end up sprinkling something onto their money line, like plus 108 there. Um, next, though, I've got the Cotton Bowl. This one's kind of caught my eye. It's basically just you know me being petty and just wanting to see what's what. With USC and Tulane, I like Tulane. I'm high on them. I mean, they beat K-State. K-State's a good team. Tulane took Lincoln Riley's Oklahoma Sooners in 2021 to the brink. Um, and I mean, Tulane's a well-coached team. That was, I will say, that was with Rattler, not with Caleb Williams, but the offense wasn't really the problem for us yet. We don't know if Caleb's going to play in this game or not. I doubt Jordan Addison plays. He'll probably opt out. Caleb won't opt out, but Caleb, you know, may or may not be healthy after his injury in the, in the conference championship. So I'm I'm intrigued to see how this game goes. I think it could be better than what we have seen recently in terms of like a G5 team in, in the New Year's Six. Although UCF did beat Auburn that one year, and you know what? Maybe we're we're going to get that sort of a repeat incident this year i would get a lot of joy out of seeing usc go down i don't give a fuck how many asterisks are on it if, if miller moss is quarterbacking i don't give a fuck if they go lose to tulane on new year's day i'll be a happy camper yeah it's looking here yeah caleb williams is still kind of an unknown it's it's understood that he probably will play if he's healthy but also he is down two of his starting uh offensive linemen assuming they're still injured coming into the bowl game but all of this pales in comparison to the number one bowl game of the season. Forget the playoffs. Forget the Cheez-It Bowl. Uh, we have the Music City Bowl, which I am going to deem the Sickos Bowl. We have Iowa and Kentucky. Uh, just let me let me paint you a little picture for this one. Uh, so you have Iowa and Kentucky, who are both uh, bottom 25 offenses. Uh, you have an under, an over-under that's been set at 31 points. And you have a whole slew of opt-outs that are just going to cripple both of these offenses that all uh, already struggled significantly. Uh, 
Uh, let me get the list here. So at Iowa, you're going to be down to your third uh, or fourth string quarterback, depending on who uh, they want to go with, because uh, Spencer Petrus, Petrus, whatever, injured. Uh, Nebraska beat the crap out of him, destroyed his shoulder. Uh, then you have Alex Padilla who has entered the transfer portal. Uh, so he's not going to be playing. So you're down to like your third or fourth string quarterback. Uh, not really sure who they're going to go with there. Uh, and then on the Kentucky side, uh, Will Levis, Will Levis is opting out because he thinks he's going to be an NFL star. Uh, no comment on that one. Uh, and then they have three running backs who will not be participating. Uh, one's injured, one's opting out, and one's entering the transfer portal. So, like, if you want to – this is, like, college football at its finest. No scoring, all defense. Uh, I'm expecting, like, two safeties because, like, imagine how bad Spencer Petrus and Alex Padilla, Padilla, whatever, were. Now imagine the two guys who couldn't even get a fucking crack at it. Like – this is going to be fucking wild. Uh, Will Levis was like the only saving grace of that Kentucky offense, and he has decided he's not going to play. So, uh, yeah. What do you guys think? I think that's the game of the year, potentially. Yeah, sounds absolutely fucking disgusting. <laughs> that's one way to end the new year, it looks like. Jeez, it's on New Year's 11, Eve, yeah. Yep, 11 a.m. New Year's Eve. That is something nothing gets you more worked up for the fucking playoffs that'll <laughs> probably be relatively high scoring than just a fucking rock fight a 31 31 point over under that is that is rough i uh, i don't know how uh that's that's do, bad do any of us have the balls to subject ourselves to betting that over <laughs> and <laughs> just watching that shit and seeing if they can get it done uh, no, but we will talk about a little over-under stuff. Uh, some really, really fucking degenerate and perverted over-under stuff uh, later in the betting segment, I promise. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, no, that's disgusting. Uh, if, if I had to bet that game, I'm just taking Kentucky money line since they're dogs. Just hoping to fuck that. I mean, I think, Iowa, I think Iowa's got the better defense. So I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, but our, but yeah, it's it's yeah, but then when your defense can just fucking do rush eight because you know they aren't gonna throw it. Well, but they also they have one of the best do, scoring be. defenses. I mean, Iowa has one of the best scoring defenses in the country. So give me that. I guess shit. <laughs> yeah, uh, can they can do it all? Unlike the offense, so. Um, yeah, no, that, that game sounds utterly disgusting. Yeah. Uh, any, any other bowls? Uh, I think we all kind of pick something actually, you know, let, let, fuck it. I'm going to, I'm going to cut us, cut us off there. Let's move on to, uh, something that we're going to unfortunately continue calling Collins capping quarter. That's with three C's. Thank you very much. Until I come up with a better name, Colin, why don't you take us through, uh, your betting segment? All right, we will start with the tried and true, good, bad, and ugly little weekly recap from la- uh, you know all of last week's bets since we talked last. And you know, there's obviously bad beats or your your famed bad, but there's always good in the week. Well, not always, but hopefully some good in the week. Then there's some stuff that's much more disgusting than bad beats, which is just <laughs> having a fucking ugly ugly read on a game or or something along those lines. Sam, why don't you give us a quick recap of last week for us? 
I would love to give a recap of last week because last week was very successful. So successful, in fact, that I can't fit the constraints of this segment. However, I've got plenty of good. I will say my NFL teaser cashed again, my lock of the week, which I was about as unconfident in as I've been all year. It did it did come through for me. So I, I want to check the numbers, Colin. I'm sure you, you've been tracking them somewhere. I can go do that. But I, those teasers have been money this season. I'm just fucking myself everything else I ever do. But um, – <laughs> Also, last weekend, I had the Kansas Jayhawks um, three-point favorites at Mizzou in basketball. That that felt a little too tight to me to where I usually don't bet on KU, but I was like, that seems like a gimme, and they just kicked the shit out of them from start to finish. So, a stress-free cover. And then I also took the Ravens' money line last weekend, and that game kind of sucked, but they won it. I didn't really watch it, but they, they took care of business as underdogs against Pittsburgh. Um, and then... I do have one bet that lost, which I I put it as my bad. I didn't think it was ugly enough to qualify. It was my plus 400 flyer uh, at a half unit on the Jets against Buffalo. They lost 20 to 12. It was, wasn't was a good game. They didn't really get stomped. Like I felt like I got my money's worth almost out of out of my half unit there. And if you want to if you want to call that ugly, then that would be my ugly. But uh, otherwise, nice and clean, positive week for me. Yeah, no, I your number I think for that week was just around like plus three and a half units. So you went three and one. You're very efficient. I did not finish crunching uh, Dylan and I's numbers, but Dylan, how, I don't how do you want to recap? I don't want to know. Uh, okay, so I got some good. Actually, I had a lot of good, but I'm just going to pick out a couple of them so we're not sitting here forever uh, listening to my decisions. Uh, but the one I'm pr- two of them I'm proud of uh, the men's basketball. I did a seven point teaser with uh, it was teased to Creighton uh, as four point underdogs, Northern Iowa as three and a half point underdogs, and Yale as two and a half point underdogs. And all of these uh, went pretty well for me. Obviously Creighton lost, but only by two points. Uh, Northern Iowa was the tight one, losing by three points, and then Yale blew the hell out of, uh, I can't remember even who they played. Uh, And then I also had the 49ers as three-and-a-half-point favorites in an absolute blowout versus the Buccaneers. Uh, uh, Brock Purdy uh, just proving that that 49ers team is so complete that you really, it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback, you just win. Um my bad. So I did have the Vikings money line at 105 versus the Lions. Uh, that was not a very fun game for me to watch with that in mind. Uh, I Hence my uh, slow pitch this week. Uh, and then the really, really bad one, but it's not as ugly as my ugly. Uh, the really bad one, I thought I was starting to get uh, Missouri Valley basketball figured out. Uh, where I took Drake because I thought Drake basketball is just, you know, going to be world beaters this year in the Missouri Valley Conference. Uh, and then they proceed to lose to Richmond by 30. So, Ouch. yeah, uh, I don't even remember if I had fucking money line on. I, I, th- I think I took the spread. I don't even remember what the spread was. I know it wasn't uh, Drake plus 30. So that was just very, very bad. And then my ugly, we're starting to get into that. Some of that, uh, perverse over under talk i had army navy over 32 and a half which was absolutely terrible just absolutely ugly disgusting degenerate bet but you know what they took it to double overtime and uh did it and it paid out for me it's the ugliest fucking win i've ever seen in my entire life the ugliest fucking bet to ever place army navy taking the over fuck yes i'll take it though respect 
Yeah, that's one where you fortunately get to also at least semi noted as good just because it cashed. Whether 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 you got how you got there does not matter in that aspect, but that's even uglier if you fucking especially if you watch that game just going for fuck's sake, please hit the over and it doesn't. I had to take a shower after that game. That was that was like I felt dirty. <laughs> felt, felt real gross. <laughs> I felt violated Dirt. and dirty. The results-oriented league, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Just for him, and potentially in two weeks to bet the over in uh, Kentucky, Iowa, to top it off at an even lower number. We'll get to that. All right. So does that okay? That wrapping you up? The uglies a uh, good yes. ugly. Yes. All right. So we'll go into mine then. I definitely. I um. I have a much higher obviously betting rate than y'all so i have to do have to do much more sorting here and there but we'll go we'll start with the good which i may have even called on last podcast just because i believe josh jacobs hit his over on his rushing yards last week uh while we were still online on air k-makers also hit his under yeah that was that was that one was close too i'm pretty sure point and a half two points Someone chirped that on on the Twitter account, saying Cam Akers is going to be leading that offense until Baker gets there. <laughs> yeah, and it was just like, dude, you're talking about one of the worst running teams in the league. Uh, then from there, we'll go. To, we'll touch up on the World Cup real quick. With I had Argentina versus the Netherlands over two. I got to a push pretty easily in that game. And then the last twenty minutes of that, last twenty five minutes of that game was phenomenal. Uh, if you're a casual viewer, it was definitely a good, you know, good scoring fest there towards the end in a high neither, stakes. Neither game, one of know. us is a ca- is even a casual uh, viewer of soccer. Just just for your hey, information, I'm pretty sure Sam told me he saw the highlights of that shit at least. And it may have been intriguing. I will not speak for the intriguing portion, but I actually he, tuned in uh, live at work. Oh, Jesus uh, Christ! About uh, your job? It's, it's pretty good, man. <laughs> I, I, you'd be surprised, but uh, it's uh, no, I didn't have that much going on, you know. So I, I tuned into some World Cup soccer. Unfortunately, I missed like the furious comeback. I basically t- tuned in like in stoppage time, but I did catch their their little couple of OTs and the penalty kicks. And as far as soccer goes, I've seen worse. Okay, so yeah, but over over two would push at the seventy fifth minute. We we're tied up two two going into extra time with in the last twenty five minutes. So it was, it was a good hit. It was a fantastic game. Uh, going from that, we'll go to yesterday's World Cup match: uh, France versus Morocco. I had France neg one and France team total uh, over one and a half. Both cashed for me. I figured those were a tandem bet that it wasn't likely that that game ends 1-0. So, they both cashed, which was a nice feeling getting both of those half the most of the more than half the time I feel like if I bet a game multiple ways, see England versus USA, it all crashes all to shit and that uh, don't I definitely lose more than I win. If you have Going a gambling from, problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. <laughs> there, there's there's a different one for every good. state. We got to figure out what the what the one for Oklahoma is. Uh, the bad one for, I got two bads and the first one has to go to UFC, the UFC 282 card the other day on Saturday. I had Jared Gordon money line at plus 195 fighting, uh, Patty Pimblett, 
which I like Patty. He did not win that fight. I've I've not seen like actual MMA media journalists and writers typically call stuff robberies on like, you know, close fights that the, you know, common person myself included would be like, that person won. I've never seen such output of saying that that fight was a robbery and that Jared Gordon should have won that fight. A lot of people said it was 29-28 at worst for Jared Gordon. So UFC really helping with all the investigation shit going on with their just shit judges fucking up what seemed like a pretty easy decision. And then my other bad is a different take on on bad this week. It has to coincide with the text I sent y'all last night saying, uh, am I a sick fuck enough to bet on Louisville Moneyline against Western Kentucky? <laughs> and I did not have the balls to do it. Uh, I was waiting for uh, Coastal Carolina's game to wrap up. At, and I hit them at plus 160, but I was waiting for that one to wrap up, and it just bled close enough to tip off time. I wanted to confirm I was going to have a have a plus money day, and I didn't bet that. that they were plus like 210, 220, and then I also had U, UCLA that I was eyeing in that slate, and I got to get real pissed off with myself for pussing out on those. And then to tidy up mine, uh, my ugly has to be... Well, we'll see. we started with good being World Cup. We'll end ugly with World Cup. Brazil team total over one and a half against Croatia. First of all, the odds were neg 200. I was disgusted even placing the bet, but I thought Brazil would put two away. They got blanked in regulation, so that bet missed. So not only did I have a bad bet from just them not scoring, but I had to eat fucking so much juice having neg 200 that I had to really just look inward and be disgusted for the rest of the day, digging myself out of a hole. Oh, so that one, we're that one the, was, we're using the word juice again. I see, <laughs> but it was, it was, it was embarrassing nonetheless. <laughs> as, so as I tidy up our weekly recap, let's go into our picks for this upcoming weekend, whether it be locks. NFL. They're called locks. Thank you very much. <laughs> All so right. Well, well, then Dylan, hit us with your locks for this fine weekend. You've been waiting for this one. Uh, I have Iowa, Kentucky under 31 points, minus 110, one unit. I'm not going to take the over on this one. I am here for the complete sickos degenerate ride to go under 31 i want to see a two to five game out of this one in overtime a couple of fumble sixes is all it's gonna take to ruin your fucking day <laughs> maybe but like i said i want i want to see a two to five or a five two final score in overtime maybe double overtime um and then this one seemed easy to me because I looked at the opt-out list and nothing really jumped out to me for Wake Forest. But I have Wake Forest as a one-point favorite over Missouri in whatever goddamn bowl game they're playing in. Uh, the Gasparilla Bowl. Uh, Wake Forest doesn't ha- – they have a running back sit- uh, sitting out going to the transfer portal and a cornerback. I don't a corner back on defense that I don't see that making that big of an impact where they can't take on a kind of a fluky Missouri team who has like three major defensive contributors opting out. Um, 
And then I have Colts Vikings under 47 and a half. Uh, it's minus 110, one unit. Uh, and then take all three of those because I'm so confident in these three. Take all three of those. Uh, put a half a unit on a plus 600 parlay of all three. Yeah, it's, I'm going to be sitting waiting for a while because Iowa, Kentucky doesn't happen until December 31st and Wake Forest, Missouri isn't a, a, er, an early game either. But uh, And then let's just not forget what I uh, pulled from last year or uh, last week. I have Michigan as seven and a half point favorites versus TCU because fuck TCU. Uh, and then I want to throw a game to watch out here. So most of the time sports books don't have college basketball lines ready ahead of time. So we can't really preview those. Uh, but I do a game that I'm definitely going to be looking at either at a money line or against the spread. I will be looking at Nebraska ball versus K state because I think that will be a good game. You have similarly ranked teams, uh, both teams that are probably overperforming a little bit. And I think Nebraska ball kind of has it together. I think K state is maybe better than what their, their net rankings look like. And I think that could be a good game depending on where the, where the spread is to bet either taking Nebraska to cover um, if the spread's close, maybe taking a risk on a Nebraska money line. Uh, if the spread is like really, really tight, you might just take Kansas state because they probably have the better chance at covering by, you know, three, four points. Uh, and then my flyer, give me dolphins money line plus 260 versus the bills the dolphins have disappointed recently but they have the talent to do it uh the bills maybe aren't what we thought they were the dolphins have proven to be maybe better than we thought they would be in total this year even if they've had some rough patches here and there uh give me a give me to turn the ball over uh all day on that one all right so real sorry what was the dolphins money line at plus 260 Juicy, it's a good one. And then, uh, what was the Colts Vikes number at the over under? Right? Under forty seven and a half. Forty seven and a half. Gotcha. All right, going from Dylan, uh, Sam. What do you got for us this weekend? All right, I've got another in the another edition of the NFL lock teasers. Um, another ten pointer this week, neg one twenty odds. So I'm juicing it up to three units. Going to see if I uh, fly too close to the sun here. Uh, we'll crash and burn. We, we will see. We'll find out. But uh, I have got the Vikings teased to plus six in that game against the Colts. Uh, I'm basically a lot of times like in these teasers, I kind of just take the opportunity to like take a game like that and go. If the Vikings want to fuck that up for me somehow, plus six, I will make it back by just verbally shitting on you, Dylan, for how pathetic <laughs> the, the show would have to be for the Vikings to. to not even stay within a touchdown of the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, and then I've got the Ravens at plus 13 at Cleveland. I think they've – the Ravens, I've been kind of riding that gravy train a little bit recently. They compete with whoever they play. It, really, it almost seems like regardless of the circumstances, they play competitive games. I don't see Deshaun Watson, who has kind of looked like shit so far, putting away the Ravens by multiple touchdowns, even with Tyler Huntley in there for Baltimore. Um uh, and then lastly, the Philadelphia Eagles tease to plus one at my beloved Chicago Bears. Oh. I would be I would be pretty damn stunned if this one went south on me. And I think the Bears, you know, I lo- I really have liked what I've seen from Justin Fields. I think the offense is probably going to have some highlights in this game. Hey man, um, any any given Sunday, a good defense though. Any given yeah. Sunday, you never know. And then with with a, a guy who can make plays, like maybe it is our day, but. 
Jalen Hurts is playing so well. The Eagles have a really good defense. We have a really bad defense. The Eagles have a better O-line. They have better weapons. Like, if, if we win this game, it is probably the greatest game of Justin Fields' career <laughs> by a lot, honestly. It's the only way I could see it going our way, and it would probably take some good bounces beyond that. Uh, so that sums up my lock on the three units there. Two flyers at one unit each, just a couple of money lines. I'm going back on those Ravens, plus 122 at the Browns. I think that's pretty decent value. I, I feel like that plus 13 is comfortable in the teaser. Plus 122 money line feels good enough to me. Cleveland sucks. Like I think Baltimore's got a good chance to get it done. And then a bit more of a flyer is going to be the Jags, plus 168 against Dallas. I don't know if this one hits necessarily. You know, it is a flyer, but with what Dallas showed against Houston last week, Jacksonville's been kind of taking a step forward. Trevor Lawrence has been taking a bit of a step forward. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see this game and for, for a change. I would I would get a kick out of seeing Dallas fuck this one up for me, and I'd like to be along for the ride if they do, um, or fuck this one up for themselves. So that's what I got for this week. All right, so that moves it to myself. I do have one teaser that's at neg 110. It's a six-point teaser. It also involves the Eagles. I do not obviously have them as that favorable of a number. I have them at neg three. And then I have the Bills neg one and a half as the other piece there. That one's got me a little worried with the Bills. I don't trust it totally, but I think that they'll play well. Who knows? I th- Maybe the Dolphins do have a tough time in the cold. I don't know. I, I just feel like the Bills are playing well, at least better than the Dolphins. The Dolphins have looked a little rough. I think they'll just take care of business. It's It's not a pretty one. I didn't like it too much, but it was the only teaser I could come up with that I was comfortable with. Uh, moving from there, I have Browns neg three at plus 100. I I don't like betting on them, but if Lamar's out, I, I feel like the money is there. Rivalry game, Deshaun still hasn't looked great. Could happen, so I, I feel like Browns neg three is not a bad option. My other NFL bet is, it's not a flyer, but it's it's my plus money pick for sure, is the Lions money line. I, shit, who are they playing? I forgot to write that down. But I have a hunch they'll play decently well. This week they've been playing quite well. Of course, they could do what they did earlier this year against the Patriots, which I'm pretty sure I bitched about. They're playing the Jets. Yeah, they have the I Jets. Don't, so... That's the thing. That's a scary I don't game, think, not in a good way. I don't think Mike White, well, whoever's going to be at quarterback other than Joe Flacco, even though Joe, Joe Flacco apparently didn't do great the other day. I, hey, I just don't a, think the Jets. That's Super Bowl winning Joe Flacco to you. Hey, he's still elite, I'm aware. Sadly, I'm, Colin, I'm, I don't know if... I don't know if you are aware of this, but he is now QB three Joe Flacco. They, they I did see that. Him, so yeah, I just Zach didn't know in the jersey. I didn't know if Mike White was hurt or not. So, because I know he left that game injured for a little bit because you're bitching about Flacco. I just I don't think I don't think it matters who's at quarterback for the Jets. Uh, that Mike White showed that flash in one game, but I don't think they're that good. The Lions are hot right now. I think they take care of business at pl- slight plus money, and then bring what back will Mark be... Sanchez. Oof, oof! Draft someone. 
my la- what will be my last bet on the World Cup, obviously with the final coming up on Sunday way too early in the morning. I have France to win the World Cup, so not just a regulation pick, but just to lift the trophy at neg 118. It's same odds for Argentina. They have this game pretty much deadlocked as a pick As much I would like to see Argentina win. I just even every all of them are playing for Messi, man, and it's it's impressive. But this France team, it does not matter. They have six guys that probably would start or get major chunk playing time during the World Cup that were all hurt. It doesn't matter. They're back at the finals again four years later. I, their team is just too good. They they have stupid talent. Even with all these injuries, they've had stupid death depth coming off the benches. I, I think they lift it. Their you know storybook ending could, would be nice with Messi lifting the World Cup. I just don't know if it will happen. I don't feel confident in it happening. All right. What else you got for us, Colin? Is that it? That yeah, that's my last one. I just I figured I'd lump all the NFL together. I don't have any anything too juicy on on plus odds this week. Okay. Any last words, gentlemen? No. Nope. Nothing. I'm, I'm all good. Yep. All righty. And that will conclude our garbage sports opinions for tonight. Uh, go check out our Twitter at Three Planes SB. That's uh, at the number three P L A I N S S B to keep up with our sports betting adventures and spreadsheet and keep an eye out for future, future episodes on Spotify, Apple podcasts, or wherever the hell else you get your podcasts from. And remember Craig James killed five hookers during his time at SMU. Thank you. <laughs>